0: Good morning, church family. Good Good to be with you here this morning. Uh, Quick little, um, quick little uh, announcement to uh, help with any potential rumors. Um, uh, The Haybrook family is not moving out of Mogador, and we are uh, part of this church family for as long as the Lord keeps us here. Uh, beyond that, those are, the, those are the details. So tell all your friends because apparently it's important. And I appreciate the fact that people care. Today we're going to start a new series called Real. And what we're going to be talking about this whole month is this idea about what is a real friend. Now, if you ask an adult, they'll give you a bunch of different answers. Uh, if you ask a, a child, they give you very similar answers. Uh, but they just sound a little bit different. We're going to talk for these weeks about what it actually means to have friends that empower you, strengthen you, for you to be that type of a friend to somebody as well. And it doesn't matter. This crosses all generations whatsoever, like everybody from the very beginning of the time where you begin to think and learn to share to the time that you are much more advanced in your years and you have to learn to share again. And so, regardless of where you are in your life, middle ground in there, there are people that will come into your life that will encourage you. There are people in your life that will come in your that that will not be such an encouragement. I appreciate the fact that you guys uh, put on some name tags. Uh, that's kind of a cool thing, right? Some people were helpful. Like, man, this is really helpful. I'm really grateful. So now I might actually <laughs> remember somebody's name. And here's the hard thing, you know, in in my line of work, I, I'll, I'll meet somebody, and at most, I'll probably see you four times a month, um, maybe even five or six, depending on if there's activity during the week, um, but possibly even as little as one time a month. So that's kind of hard to get to know somebody when I only see your face one time a month, regardless of where it is. But uh, that's why it's super important for us to come together, so that we understand, we get to know each other. I was also hopeful that during this series time, that while we have these name tags on all month long, that you would actually begin to, and I believe if you put the effort in, you'll actually learn a couple names. But the name is nothing more than what this is. It's a label. It's actually the the, the most wonderful uh, word that people like to hear is their name. That's why when I talk to people and I talk to uh, restaurants and waiters and waitresses and please tell me your name, I wanna know your name. And I'll use their name often. And it's interesting. You should try this as a social experiment. Using somebody's name and looking them in the eye uh, while you're being waited on versus not using their name and don't look at them at all. The difference in uh, tendability that they tend to bring to your table because they want to come to where you are because you're strengthening them and you're empowering them. And if I could take it just one more step further my hope is that you could even learn a little bit about somebody that's sitting right next to you. Maybe not the person you came with. But it's amazing how we sit by people in this church gathering, church service, church attendance, right? We use all these different words, and yet we don't know our church family. Can I tell you about some of our church family? Would that be okay? When you nod, that means you give me permission. Let's start with, let's start with my buddy Matt, all right? This might be a little bit uncomfortable, but guess what? You better start learning to be uncomfortable because this world's crazy, and it's getting more uncomfortable every day. This is my buddy Matt. And I had the privilege of officiating his wedding to Chelsea, who we, Shelly and I, had the privilege of helping uh, babysit, raise, uh, Chelsea's uh, little boy, Raiden, who, if you don't know him, he's the one that will run as fast as he can up the front steps and into the lobby and fill his pockets with mints. (laughs) Matt has um, a son Uh, Caden, uh, from a previous relationship that we've been praying for and he's spending some time with. Doesn't get to see him a lot, but he, he sees him. Now, I know what you're saying. I think you're sharing a little bit too much. But if we can't share even that in a church family, We're a country club. I mean, isn't that what you do at a country club? You give them money, and then you show up, and you get to explore the facility. Put a golf course out front so we can say we have a golf course. My buddy Ken is sitting back there. I won't go too deep, bro. It's all good. Don't worry. But he's so calm, cool, and collective. He's all like, whatever, (laughs) because we trust each other. That brother grew up going to the uh, Portage County Randolph Fair. We were just talking about it, weren't we? And he just loves going to it. Um, you still buy a, a, a pass for the whole week? Yeah, you do. <laughs> he buys a pass because he wants to go in there. Listen, I'm going to be here every day anyway, and it's cheaper. I might as well get a pass. And he's exploring that with his family and, and showing his family what a wonderful thing it is to be at the fair. And what a cool thing that is. My friend, Betty, hi, Betty. I know people are like, is he going to call on me? I've only known Betty a very short time, but I'm so proud of the strength that this woman brings into her family and the hope, ooh, and the forgiveness gone through a difficult summer. And yet, I have the privilege of being able to now nobody. Regardless of whatever the situation was, the Lord has brought us together to now be friends. These are the people that sit by you on a regular basis. Can I brag on my buddy Jackster for a minute? Jackster had a meet this weekend, he's a runner. Him and his sister Katie are both identically crazy um, as, as, as runners, and they get out there, and they're running, they're doing these types of things, and, and he's got a, an award-winning smile. You need to grab this dude at some point in time today and say, smile at me, right? Don't be creepy, but just <laughs> Jack's a great guy. He's a great guy. Boy, is he intelligent. The conversations and the questions that we have, He has some really good things going, man, there's people that have been following Jesus that are in their 70s that don't even think the way you do. You need to get to know him and these people and their families. Now it's possible that you just didn't have an opportunity yet to get to know these people. Maybe you've only been here for about two years and and it just hasn't fit into the schedule. Totally get that. But these are the people... That we actually do spiritual life with, and even be and even outside of this these walls and our, our spiritual life beyond these walls, we do life together. We claim that we are people of faith, that we can come around one another and encourage each other, because everybody in the world is looking for that. And we're told in Scripture that and assuming that this is correct, and we're actually going to believe what it says, that it, that we are unified in one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, one faith, that these should be the people that we draw towards, that we are drawn to be around. These are the people. That doesn't mean that you're going to get along with everybody but it means that you can be at least cordial because we're all growing in maturity in the faith. If you're not growing in your faith, you're not pursuing Jesus. Let's just call it for what it is. Some people will pursue Jesus differently. Some people will pursue Jesus harder. Some people choose to let it just kind of be whatever it is. We'll see what happens when I make, if I make heaven. Some people in here, you need to know, are on Cloud nine. Like, they're just so excited about life right now. They're like, oh, could it get any better? Could it get any sweeter? And there's some people in here right now that are thinking the complete opposite. Could it get any more bitter? Could it get any worse? What's the next thing that's going to happen? What is a real friend? I asked a 10-year-old girl this week, hey, what's a real friend? What do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean, what is a real friend? Well, do you have any real friends? Oh, yeah. Why? Why are they your real friend? Because they're nice to me and they play with me. Oh, if life could just stay so simple. Be nice to me and let's play. And so I I put out a survey on Facebook a handful of weeks ago. You might say that a friend is someone who has been your friend for a long time. You get to be a real friend just because you stayed around. How about that? Stuck with you through a difficult time. Maybe you can name someone who has been a real friend to you uh, that that just knows all your stuff. Someone on Facebook encouraged, uh, what is a real friend? A person who knows the true you, warts and all, but loves you anyway and unconditionally. Someone who doesn't forget about you when you're having a rough go at life and you're pushing everybody aside, but that one person just refuses to give up. Is that a real friend? Someone who will love you unconditionally. Someone who brings you coffee when you need it, or bacon. <laughs> Someone who has stick That's one of my all-time favorite words. People that just stick with you. How about raw, honest, always there, supportive, compassionate, loving, caring, sense of humor, a willing, uh, a willing uh, billboard for Christ. Someone who sticks by your side no matter what. You can see a consistent theme. Someone who knows you're a little crazy, but loves you and laughs with you anyway. Someone who lives about 500 miles away from you and still answers the phone when you call. What is a real friend? A good friend will always be honest with you. A good friend doesn't care if you're broke, upset, or what you weigh, if your house is a mess, or what car you drive. Oh, is that a real friend? Someone that will pray with you. And somebody got super specific. Someone that will come and shovel sewage under your house with your husband when a critter chewed through your pipes. I would say that's a good friend. I don't know if I'm that kind of friend or not. Uh, I've never been called upon to actually shovel that stuff. And so I've never, you know, so I've never had that opportunity uh, present itself to me. I've moved furniture and, and things of that nature. But, but what is a real friend? Over this past month, I'd like you to pray a prayer with me that I think that will reveal to us what could in fact be a real friend. What about this? Someone who points you to Jesus. Right? Because if you consider yourself a believer, then you're considering that those people that would actually be the closest to you, that are now your family, are other believers. It doesn't mean that we shun people that are not believers, it does mean that we surround ourselves with people who are believers so that we can be an encouragement. But you can't just always surround yourself with believers because if the believers all stay within a group and a huddle, then the unbelievers never hear about the hope and the possibility of new life. There has to be something that we say, listen, I'm going to be filled up and I'm going to pour out into believers. And I'm also going to have some people in my life that I need to continually pour into because they spiritually cannot pour into me. Here's our prayer that I like us to pray all month long Which of my current friends are pushing me toward Jesus and who is pulling me away from him? It's just a prayer. It's just a revealing, not a shaming, but a revealing prayer. Lord, which of my current friends, the people that I spend time with, the people that I would say, yeah, I, they've got my back, are pushing me toward Jesus or who's pulling me away? Now, there's going to be some people in your life that you're going to go, oh, that person, no, they're solid, they're good. Well, yeah, they're a little bit, uh, and they don't know God, but it's all fine, it's all good. You just need to ask a question. Or somebody that claims to know Jesus, which could even be worse, right? Because then you think they're following Jesus and then they're not following Jesus. So which of my current friends are pushing me toward Jesus? And which of my current friends are actually pulling me away? As we discuss this idea of what is a real friend, it's important for us to think through our relationships. It's important for us to think about why we consider them a friend. You know, in the younger grades, and the ages, if you're in elementary school, well, all you have to do is be kind to me and we're going to be good. It doesn't matter how you treat anybody else. Just be kind to me, and we're going to be good. As you get into middle school and high school, oftentimes it turns into the people that are just the coolest. I want to be just like them. I'm going to follow them. I would consider them a friend if they would just say hi to me one time. As you get into adulting, Um, it really gets unsimple. It gets super uh, complicated at times if you're not real, because then you surround yourself with people. You don't even know why you're surrounding yourself with these people. Then we get into something that people actually learned at a young age. You ready for this? People-pleasing. Now we have a billion friends on Facebook because we're people-pleasers rather than just having a close Hand, a handful of really awesome friends that pour into us. Are you tracking with me so far? You getting this? Maybe next service I won't lead with the whole thing because I got heavy, didn't it? <laughs> I got heavy in there. Yeah. So lighten up for a minute as we get into the book of Psalm. Um, I don't know that it's going to get any lighter. Uh, God's word is pretty clear here in Psalm chapter one. You know, this Psalm uh, was supposed to be sung. Uh, it's a song of praise. And so I started looking up like, how can you sing it? You know, and some people have actually put music to it. I thought it'd be fun to put an old rock song to it. I couldn't figure it out. So I can't bless you with that gem, but that's what pastors do. They, they try to come up with goofy things sometimes, but let's just read God's word and see what happens to us. Huh? How about that? Psalm chapter one and verse one, we're going to go into, and then I'm going to go into Matthew chapter nine. So you can uh, find Psalm chapter 1 and then flip over to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read a little bit there as well. So Psalm chapter 1, oh, the joys. Some, some translations will say, oh, happy is or how blessed. This is in a plural form, so it would actually make more sense for this translation. Oh, the joys, right? Oh, man, the pleasantries of those who do not. All right, so focus with me for a minute. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they who don't do those things delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season because they have been Uh, taken care of. They take care of themselves, so to speak. They continually, season after season, bear more fruit. They're able to. They're able to. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, Uh, but not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered in the wind. Now, we wouldn't understand that a whole lot unless you're a farmer. Raise your hand if you're a wheat farmer. Okay, interesting. So close to Portage County, I thought maybe there'd be at least one. So, um, so wheat farmers uh, would understand this very well, the chaff that is blown away. Basically, what you would do, very simple understanding, is that you would take the, you would take the wheat, the straw and everything, and uh, in the old days, they would just throw it up in the air. And in just a light breeze, the chaff, the unusable, the junk, would be blown away and the the actual uh, weed itself would be heavy enough to just fall to the ground. So they would be out there with pitchforks, throwing it up in the air, and the chaff would be blown away, and everything else that's needed would fall back down. Today, they would plug in a fan, and they, they, they pour it out over a fan, nice and slow, and you see it blow out of there. That's the chaff. They're trying to get rid of that because it's useless, unnecessary, unhelpful. And they want the clean, they want the pure product. And so what this is saying here is, very simply, that the wicked are like worthless chaff scattered in the wind. That you go as the wind blows. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. Oh, that sounds even better. Maybe I'll... There's a gentleman I worked with at the airport years ago. I would do what's called like a temporary duty, TDY, they called it. And I would go to outstations, smaller stations like Akron Canton, but even smaller. And there was a guy that I would run into from time to time, and he was stationed at somewhere else, but he, every time he visited someplace, he was convinced he was supposed to move there. Every time. And so I would call the station manager and I talked to her. We were kind of like casual acquaintances. You know, hey, you're in the same business. You got to call each other from time to time because people lose their luggage, (laughs) okay? And so I call him, hey, did you know that so-and-so is looking to move again? He goes, she goes, every time he goes and visits a station, he wants to transfer. It's just a situation where it's like thrown up into the wind and the chaff was just blown away to the side oh, that sounds good, I'll follow that. Oh, that sounds even better, I'll follow that. And you just kind of go as the wind blows you. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, the picture painted here in this psalm, which, as I said, is a worship song to God, is pretty beautiful. We don't sing songs like this anymore. I don't even know what what kind of music you would put this for, that we would actually say, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, right? Like, we don't say that stuff. It's, it's, It's fluffier these days, right? It's good songs. There's good songs out there, no doubt, but it seems fluffier anymore. These are some intense worship songs that the people would pour out before the Lord. But it's actually quite beautiful. It says that we, the tree grow healthy and strong when we follow and stay close to God. And so we need people around us that help with that and we need to be those people that can help others draw closer to God. Do you see the comparison here? So many different times we'd say, well, listen, stay away from bad people and only be here. And then you say, well, these people don't know Jesus though. Send somebody else. That's not following Jesus. I know we desire safety and comfort, but that's not always the goal of a believer. I know there's rough situations. Talk to those individuals that have been missionaries that have gone into very difficult situations where they didn't know if they were going to wake up to gunfire the next day. Perhaps maybe they were even arrested My adult friends, if I could speak to you for just a brief moment. If your son or your daughter passionately pursues Christ and God calls that son or daughter to what we would consider an unsafe place, Please hear me when I say it is better for someone to be in God's will in an unsafe place than to be out of God's will in what you think is a safe place. Does it make it easy? Oh, no. Oh, heck no. Not easy. But simple. And here's the call that Jesus gives us, the simplicity of the call to follow him. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 9, and I want you to see what Jesus is doing here. Many church families would call this a Matthew party where believers and unbelievers alike get together and they just kind of hang out. Now, you don't do a guest list and say, okay, so you're going to be my believing friends and you're going to be my unbelieving friends and then put a seating chart up. No, you don't do that. You might be aware of those who need Jesus um, and those who are mature in the faith. But this this is an incredible story of friendship and what Jesus did to strengthen and empower people. A little backstory to what's going on here it's pretty it's pretty simple to see that pretty easy to see that matthew just began to follow jesus matthew was a tax collector the worst of the worst he would take the taxes from the people to give to caesar and typically they would ask for more taxes than what they were owed and then they would keep they would steal from the people Oh, you only owe 100? Well, I'm gonna charge 125. You owe 125, then they would pay 125. Because they couldn't go to like a MyChart or mytaxes.com and see exactly where it all was. Maybe they had an idea of what they were gonna bring, but they could charge whatever they wanted and they got away with it. So these people were ruthless, mean, sneaky, dirty. Nobody wanted to be around them. And Jesus calls one of them out Hey, yeah, you tax collector. Hey, Matthew. He says a very simple thing follow me. Follow me. Very simple understanding, very hard application. So as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. He was in the spot where he commits his crimes, his sins, his stealing. He was in the middle of it, In the dirt, in the junk, if nothing else in the Bible convinces you that people don't have to clean up to follow Jesus, this should be it. Follow me and be my disciple. That was it. There's nothing in here that says, okay, well, first of all, before you actually commit, let's do this, let's do that. Jesus doesn't say, come and follow me. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and he followed him. What in the world? Continuing on in Matthew chapter 9, here later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples. It's very possible that this could have been all done in the same day. Maybe it was within a couple of days, who knows? But Matthew is so new to this whole like following Jesus thing, trying to figure out what this actually means. So he invites his friends who were probably tax collectors. <laughs> who is probably people we know in Scripture, other notorious or disreputable sinners. So Jesus is sitting there surrounded by sinners, people that are taking advantage of other people, people that are notorious for doing this too. And he's sitting there. But when the Pharisees saw this, right, the religious people, these are the religious people coming, coming, to the, coming to the party here. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? you understand the language of what the Pharisees are saying here? God help us all as followers of Christ, which they were not, to, to, to look at somebody and, and, and dare us to look down to say, why do you associate with such scum? Now, I know that's probably like all kinds of stuff going through your mind, right? Maybe you might even say, well, because of what they do. Totally get this. But the Pharisees had no concept of, I wonder if I can help. I wonder if I can show them a new way. Track with me for just a minute here. Look at what Jesus says. So the, so the Pharisee says, why did your teacher, eat was such scum, When Jesus heard this, oh, I don't know if this happened. There's no record of this. But I would have overheard that and stood up. Right? Because I'm a prideful human. That's why I would have done this. Knowing, being the Son of God, all-powerful, connected to the Father, stood up, all authority has been given to me, right? And I'm standing there. I might have flexed if I could. Just right, because this is a moment, and he looks at them, and he says, maybe he didn't look at them, maybe he said it so loud they could hear, but he was actually looking off into a distance." I don't know, we don't know, but here's what he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do, so he's setting himself up to be the physician, he's setting it up to be, I'm acknowledging that these people are a hot mess. And they know it. That's the best part about this Matthew party is that people know they need something else. Something's different. Listen, they are sick people. They don't need, uh, healthy people don't need a doctor. So, So what is this saying here? You come to Jesus just as you are. No matter where you've been, No matter your lifestyle, no matter your skin color, no matter your background, doesn't matter. You come the way you are. Are you going to follow Jesus or not? You get to decide. It's the the sick people that need a doctor. So you come to the Savior. But when you go to the doctor, answer me a question. When you go to the doctor, do you expect to get better? Yes or no? No. So why then would I think that if I come to the great physician, the Messiah, the son of God, that I get to just live in my filth no matter what? Yes, there's going to be a change because I'm going to start navigating God's word and I'm going to see, ooh, I can't be doing that anymore. But I've always done that. How do I navigate this new way of living? You have people come alongside you called The church. And we encourage you and help you and guide you. And so you can expect somebody that comes to Jesus should be getting healthier because they should now have new life. And then Jesus, I don't know if he meant it to be real jab or not, but this is kind of an interesting thing. The Pharisees there were like, experts in knowing, knowing the Old Testament. They were experts in knowing the Psalms. They were experts in knowing the law. And so, so they would have clearly known what Jesus was talking about to the point of such pride that, of course, I know that Jesus even says this. He says, now, then he added, now go... So, Let me set this up. My gosh. He says, he he has this statement, hey, it's the healthy, that, that they don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. And then he says to them, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And then he quotes Hosea, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. He just told the religious leaders that would have known everything about everything with regard to the scripture that they had at the time. And, and he says, now go and learn. You imagine how irate these prideful, arrogant people would get with this. Who's this? No wonder they killed him because they challenged everything they thought they knew and believed everything. Now go and Learn. And you know, I don't have any idea Jesus's demeanor other than he's the savior. I don't know how he handled it in that moment, but man, oh man, now go and learn. Probably is all he needed to say for them to be like, excuse me, who do you think you are? For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. What? So Jesus is spending time with these people in order to influence them. When was the last time that you got together with somebody, hung out at the bowling alley or went over there, went over and shot pool or did something, went to a movie and your purpose was to influence them. Not manipulate, not control, not put down, not share all the great things about whatever if you would only. I'm talking about real authentic relationship, real friends where you pour into them. And you give them opportunities from time to time to say, hey, have you ever really considered what it means to follow Jesus? When was the last time any of us did that? I meet with people by default. It's part of what I do. People call me. They want to meet. And I had to have a real gut check one day when I said, Gordon, would you do this? If you were back at the airport or back at the post office, would you make up time to sit down with people? I don't know. I've been doing this for so long. So I I want to make it intentional to find somebody that's not going to just naturally call me or text me, that I can pursue them. By proximity helps. It's a good place to start but we need to show people who Jesus is. And so Jesus was surrounded by these people that he ate with at Matthew's party. First, the sinners, the people Jesus ate with, got the chance to experience what real friendship really means. The Psalm that we read is talking about people being influenced by people that are not following Jesus. Here we see Jesus and followers of Jesus Seeking to influence the world. It's a reversal. So yeah, don't be like worthless, useless chaff that blows in the wind. Know your faith, be your faith. No, you never take a vacation from following Jesus. Never. There's always an opportunity to share that. Even when I went on vacation, I had to remind myself and we talked briefly, hey, you know what? We're gonna take a vacation from the usual, but we never stop following Jesus so there may be opportunities to talk to people, pray for people, or whatever. So Jesus sat around with the sinners, sat around with the ones that everybody else is pushing aside and not wanting around, and no, no, you don't belong in our town. Those, two, those people, those people, I dare them to move in next door to me. We pray over them, do whatever we can just to, just to love them. Then the disciples, these people that are watching Jesus talk to the Pharisees like this, going, what is going on? I got to believe, at least Simon Peter, when Jesus said, now go and learn, and Simon Peter goes, oh, no, he didn't. At least Peter, I got to believe it. Everybody else might have been okay, but not Peter. Not Peter. My buddy Peter would have been all over that. The disciples are actually seeing what it's like, playing it out before them to see what it means To follow Jesus. And then you have the Pharisees. With this dinner, Jesus challenged religious leaders who were watching everything unfold to. He took an opportunity to challenge them because he was in a place of authority that he could. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a child of God. You are placed in authority. That doesn't mean you have to go around being a jerk to everybody. That means that we reveal truth. We speak truth. And we don't back down from truth, regardless of whether or not somebody calls that hate speech. It doesn't mean that we have to be arrogant about it. It just means that if you're going to speak truth, you got to be right. And so we follow what is right. So here's a few questions that I think would be beneficial for you to ask as you think about friends, relationships, interactions. Are people influencing me or am I influencing them? If I'm standing around with mockers and joining in with them, that means that you're standing around gossiping. That means you're standing around putting people down. That means you're going, oh, are you having a problem with that too? Those people are complete idiots, I tell you. Yeah, they need a complete makeover and overhaul and things like that. If you call yourself a believer, you better stop that. There's a difference between having a conversation and standing in a group of people tearing people down. Big difference. We got to know our place as followers of Christ. If you say it's not a big deal, I'm going to do whatever I want, then please stop calling yourself a follower of Jesus until you figure that out. Because that's how you're supposed to behave. That doesn't mean it's perfect. It means you're progressing. So here's three questions. How are my friendships influencing me? The people that are around me right now, how are they influencing me? me? That's question number one. How are my friendships influencing me? I, you need to know. What are they encouraging you to do? Do you have a friend uh, like I used to be that would say, you know what you should do? You should go over there and do that. You know? And then so-and-so runs over and does that. And then you look, but you should have never done that. Right? We're not talking about those friends. We're talking about like good friends. So how are they influencing you? How am I influencing my friends? How am I Influencing my friends. It does not matter if you're in a preschool. They can't hear me. If you're in preschool, they're up there being good friends to each other, I'm sure. It doesn't matter if you're in preschool, going through life, middle-aged, if you are in assisted living. There are people and relationships around you that either are influencing you or you are influencing them. Till the day you die, you are still following Jesus. And so it doesn't matter your age. Now, how can I be wiser with my friendships? Maybe, maybe you've been, I knew an individual passed away now that got so desperate for success and finances and wanted everything to turn around the way it used to be that they got themselves caught up in a scam Sending, I don't know, let's just say $1,000 in iTunes gift cards overseas. How can I be wiser? Let your friends interact with you. Shame. Let that person do something that we would go, why in the world do you think you could pay for anything in iTunes gift cards? But this person was so blinded. How can I be wiser with my friendships? Trust them. Share something with them. Be honest and open. Hey, I'm a little afraid right now. Would you pray for me? Here's why. And maybe before and after our gathering time may not be the time that you would do that, but maybe you can um, go and sit, chat. Maybe you can go out to the gathering place. Maybe you can get somebody's phone number. Hey, can we have coffee? I'd love to share something with you. Or maybe you would say, hey, can we get coffee? I'd love for you to share your life with me. I want to hear your story you're a fascinating person, and just in an appropriate manner, take care of them as the church should. Here's our big idea for today. Real friends choose each other wisely. Real friends choose each other wisely. It's important for you to navigate relationships and friends wisely Think about those that are going to strengthen you or empower you. Will this person have potential to influence me? Will I influence them? What does this look like? Use your head, people. Real friends are those that we choose wisely. You may be following Jesus after knowing somebody. Maybe you're following Jesus, but they're not following Jesus. You don't want to give that person as much influence in your life as somebody who is pursuing Christ in their life because they don't know of spiritual things. So they can't speak to spiritual things. Proverbs chapter 13, Natalie read this. What a, what a great job. I just love it. This is just the hard truth. This was a mic drop, Natalie. When you read this, this was like a, whoa. Everybody felt it, and I thought it was incredible. Walk with the wise, you become wise. Associate with fools, you get into trouble. Think about it. Think about that. Here's our next steps. This week, what's one way you're going to be wiser with your friendships? What's one thing, just one way, you're going to be wiser with your friendships? Maybe it's giving them less influence. Maybe it's listening to something they have to say, but then also trying to ask somebody else, hey, what do you think of this? Not to play them off each other, but just asking the same questions and then getting the feedback. What is uh, one way you're going to be wiser with your friendships? Now, our discipleship moment for this week. Perhaps maybe you're navigating discipleship with somebody or in a group, here's something that you can discuss with them. And this uh, gets put out on social media and it's on our website. Discuss this, do your current friendships or do your current friends draw you closer to God or pull you away from God and how do you know? some people say, oh no, man, they make me love Jesus more. Oh, that's wonderful. How? What indicators tell you that you're actually getting closer to God because you know this person? Those are some really good questions. And as a believer, you got to make time this week to figure out how your journey is going and keep moving that forward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of friends, real friends, people that we can get to know and know their name. They can get to know us and we can share things about ourselves. This is where it gets really hard because it's okay for us Typically, to be very surfacy, but once we get into the nitty-gritty, I mean, just in the junk, the mess of our lives, pray for me because of this or that or goodness. I can't even imagine what weighs on a person's heart, even right now that's listening to this, listening to this message. I know it weighs on my heart. And so I pray for your wisdom and your guidance. I pray for a pastor that I heard this week, pastor of Omega Church, Lord, you know who he was, had to take a break from serving because of some questionable stuff. Now, Lord, we're all human, and I just pray for strength into that pastor right now. I pray for grace and mercy with his congregation. I pray healing into him And I pray that you'll just strengthen them. May they all be better because he was vulnerable. I pray that you'll encourage us and I pray that we will have opportunities to share truth, whether it's coaching alongside somebody or whether or not it's just having some hangout time. Give us opportunities, Lord, to influence people the way that you influenced all those. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, next week, we're gonna be looking at the big idea real friends, show each other grace. This is going to be a good one. I'm sure of it. Will you please stand and receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today? Be sure to head over to the lobby, grab some information on the Valor House. Uh, veterans, make sure that you sign up to be able to be a part of that. John will be in the lobby to talk with you. Just go out there. It'd be a wonderful time to encourage one another. All right. Now, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Now say it with me. Go and be the church.